In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with the with Cinda Virtual, which brings together leaders and businesses from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda Virtual under www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only have leaders from all over the world, but we also have listeners from all over the world. So, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are listening from today. And if you're new to this series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact, globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, then please download us. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. And in this series, you can listen to great advice, leadership success stories that you can learn from, stories that can motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly even be the key to your success. Now, I invite you to connect with me on leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com and send me what you would like to hear about on this series. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, normally, I I give my listeners uh, a description of what we're going to talk about. And today, we have two incredibly insightful guests. So I'm going to talk as little as possible so that I can get them on the air immediately. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore the impact of the changes we have experienced over the last four months, but not with the perspective of what exactly has happened, but with the perspective of what is going to happen and what is going to need to change. And we're going to talk about a book that just came out on the market and is available on Amazon Amazon called Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future. And our first guest today is a global futurist, Rohit Talva is an author, global futurist, award-winning speaker, strategic advisor, and entrepreneur focused on delivering future insights, provoking, provoking radical thinking, and enhancing the prospects for humanity. He works with global companies, entrepreneurs, investors, and governments to help them anticipate and respond to the forces and ideas shaping the future. His clients include such companies as American Express, Intel, Microsoft, PwC, Shell, and also his clients include governments such as UAE, Singapore, UK, and the U.S. 
He is the co-author and editor of The Future of Business Beyond Genuine Stupidity, Ensuring AI Services Humanity, as well as many other titles. He has a total of seven edited books on the emerging future and how to navigate. His latest book, Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future, was just published in June 1st, on June 1st of this year. And it has a number of recognized contributing authors, including our second guest, Mr. Paul Plant, who's joining us today. Now, Paul is an experienced strategic marketeer, a digital thought leader, a change agent, and an entrepreneur. He has a long record of transforming and growing companies, as well as launching new ventures on his own. As a former Yale executive, he has worked for the past 10 years as an independent consultant, advising a blue chip client portfolio on corporate strategy, digital transition, and customer experience design. Paul's entire career has been spent in media, telecoms, and technology sectors. He is also the co-founder of Big Five Digital, an association that champions digital commerce, enablement for local business throughout Africa and the Middle East. Additionally, he works with Vendasta Technologies, a Canadian company that works with SaaS development and end-to-end platform development, selling digital solutions for small businesses. And he is also a former board member on several nonprofit associations. So welcome, Rohit and Paul, to the show. Thank you. Good to meet you, Jim. Nice to be here. Okay. So I'm going to start out um, in our first segment here um, with Rahit. And you've written and edited a lot of books on the future. Um, As this crisis hit in January, were you prepared for the impact or have you ever considered the impact such such a pandemic would have on, on the future scenarios of what's happening to us? Well, yes. In in our previous books, we've talked a lot about the kinds of shocks that might hit society from health crisis like this to environmental disasters to financial collapse or the collapse of countries. The challenge is always that whilst people understand what you're talking about, when they can't see it, they find it very hard to imagine it or to really think through how they'll respond And so when this crisis really started to evolve and we could see the writing on the wall in January, uh, we at one level knew we had to prepare for it. However, we were also flat out responding to client requests for events coming up and delivering on various research reports we were doing. So we didn't actually have much time to, to delve into what we might do in the different scenarios that could play out. And then when we did have time, when things started to cancel, we were really waiting to see how clients would respond because what we could see is that people would go into crisis response mode first. And the last thing they really wanted was to talk to someone about the future when they were just trying to salvage the present. And that's when we had the idea for doing the book where we thought that actually about now, June time would be when countries would be coming out of lockdown, businesses would be starting to get their act together in terms of relaunching and also starting to plan for what's next. So we thought the timing would be perfect to bring out something that would give a range of perspectives on that 
emerging future. And as people, you know, people were in crisis response mode in in um, January, February, March. As you started to see this, you talk about in your book about some of the shifts you saw. Okay, and you talk about eight shifts that probably were initiated as people started going into this response mode, but then are reshaping the future. Could you just kind of give us a view on those eight shifts? Yeah, let me just run through those quite quickly. So the first was this debate as to whether we would go back to the old order or we'd see a total system reboot. You were saying big debates either way. Our view is that we will see some quite dramatic change, but also if we look back two or three years if we, we step two or three years into the future and look back, I think we'll be unpleasantly surprised by the number of areas where we've seen let very little change. The second big shift was the growing desire for society to, to consume more information, consume more facts, to be told the truth. And we could see globally what was going on. So we all want more information. The third was around governments having to upgrade their response mechanisms so that they're less shocked and less caught on the back foot the next time something like this happens. The fourth was around the recognition that the global economy was quite fragile and that really this this virus travels around the world in seat 43C of an airplane. And whilst any country's at risk, we're all at risk, as we've just seen in New Zealand, where they've got two new cases for the first time in several days, And they've both flown in from the UK. The fifth was around financial markets. We've seen a lot of volatility. And this this sense that governments have had to pour a lot of money into stabilized financial markets. And maybe for the future, we need to find different mechanisms that, that allow us to get some stability into those markets without governments having to borrow billions or trillions to just keep the markets working effectively. The sixth was around uh, how businesses would respond. And our expectation was that once things started to move again, most businesses would be quite cautious. They'd have learned a lot, but also they would be very nervous about the future and that most people would be setting quite low expense and investment budgets, which could have a knock-on effect in the economy. And so this is likely to work its way through into next year's spending plans as well so we could see the conditions that could lead to this being quite a prolonged recovery. Uh, The seventh was supply chains and business footprint. We see a lot of companies already were shortening their supply chains. Now this has encouraged a lot more people to say we need to manufacture more domestically and start selling our intellectual property to countries and companies around the world and let them manufacture our products locally. So we could see the business footprint change quite a lot in the coming years. And finally, uh, we talk about the importance of air transport. We're totally relying on it for global trade of both people and goods and goods moving around the world. But air transport has been one of the most severely affected sectors. Mm-hmm. We're seeing major redundancies, major grounding of flights, major cancellation of routes. And it, the airline industry doesn't look like it's going to come back to 2019 levels till 2023 at the earliest. And we think that people need to be factoring in that into their planning. And governments need to be thinking about, well, what is our strategy for air transport? Because it's so tra- central 
to the recovery process. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting eight shifts. And um, let, let's just just look at the one, one on information, Rawhead. Okay, so yeah. I mean, we we we've been living in an information overload society, anyways. But has the has what's happened made us more discerning about the source and the reliability of the information that we're receiving and the kind of information we want? It's made us much more literate. So we've. Many more people are now aware of things like exponential growth rates, uh, reproduction numbers. We're much more interested in the science, and we don't just trust governments to tell us that they're using the best science. We want to know the science. We want to see the evidence. We want it explained to us. And we want to go to reliable sources, uh, whether it's about infection and mortality rates, whether it's about Uh, the reliability of some of the treatments, whether it's about the potential cures that are coming through or the different approaches to vaccines. We're all really hungry for that information because our own lives and livelihoods are at stake. So it's made us much more information hungry, much more information savvy generally, and much more critical when we look at the information we're being fed to say, do I believe this or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a- as we get this information, and, and it's all connected, and um, you know, I'm in Germany. We just we just launched the Corona app uh, yesterday, the day before yesterday. Um, interesting enough, I just make a comment on that. I have Apple US, so I can't download it even though I live in Germany. And that brings me to my next question. Do you think you know, uh, in this shift, when you talked about the interdependency on multiple economies, do you think that there's going to be more nationalism going before forward um, because of this? Or do you think it's just brought a better awareness on independency between multi-economies? Um, do you see any kind of shift on the independency between different countries and economies going forward. Well, we've built up a very highly interdependent global commerce and trade system prior to this. There were tensions, obviously, but the world was reliant on global trade. And if you look at Britain, we, you know, with our Brexit decision, that's reliant on Britain trading with the rest of the world. So I think that we still know we need to have international trade. We've seen how fragile it is when shipping and, and air transport got shut down and we couldn't move goods around and we lost crit- access to critical supplies of medical equipment, manufacturing equipment, consumer goods, and most importantly, food. So it's making us rethink how do we do global trade. Mm-hmm. I think we'll still see a very strong flow of goods and services around the world for some time. But increasingly, we'll also want to manufacture more locally. Nationalism does rear its head in certain countries. But ultimately, if we look through history, nationalism and populism don't make for good trade strategies and they don't make good for good economic strategies and they don't distribute wealth effectively. And that's just the data. Mm -hmm. And so I think over time we'll realize that we have to be part of the integrated whole. We have to trade effectively. And if we need to modernize the global trade organizations like the WTO, then maybe we do that. But trade still, I think, will be central to the working of the global economy for some time to come. And all the big economies really, really rely on trade as a way of fueling their growth ambitions and their domestic uh, consumption needs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, it's really interesting, and Ruth, I know you go into your book a lot of detail about this for our listeners, um, because we're going to take a short break now, and when we come back, um, I'd like to talk to Paul a little bit about the, the sixth shift you've seen in businesses. And for our listeners today, we are talking with Rohit Talvar, and he's an author, global futurist, award-winning speaker, strategic advisor, and entrepreneur focused on delivering future insights and provoking radical thinking and enhancing the prospects for humanity. His latest book, Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future, just came out on June. First, and it has a number of recognized contributing authors, including our second guest, Paul Plant. And Paul Plant is a digital thought leader, change agent, and entrepreneur. He's a former Yale executive and has worked for the past 10 years in independent consulting, advising blue chip client portfolio on a corporate strategy, digital transition, and customer experience. Now, to reach out to Rohit, please go to www.fastfuture.com. And you can also get the book on Amazon. Again, uh, Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for Post-Pandemic Future. And you can also find Rohit on LinkedIn under Rohit-Talva, Futurist-Keynote Speaker. To reach out to Paul, you can reach out to Paul on www.radicalconsulting.com. And Paul is also on Facebook under Paul.Plant5 and on LinkedIn under Paul Plant. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda Virtual. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. You can find Cinda under www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with The Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve. Presented by Deloitte, SAP solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. 
Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we're talking with Rohit Talver and Paul Plant. And Rohit is, uh, is an author, global futurist, Paul is a digital thought leader, and we're talking about the book uh, Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future, and this book was published on June 1st, and it is on Amazon, a great book with a lot of contributing authors and great insights. Now, Rohit, before we um, took a break, Rohit was giving us an idea on some of the shifts that we've seen, the eight shifts that we're seeing due to um, the pandemic. And we talked about the information shift, global economy. And um, Paul, I'd like to come to you uh, um, about the shift in businesses, okay? And I know you've contributed a chapter to the book and you were asking different businesses and clients of yours, um, you know, what changed with them? You know, what did they appreciate more? What changed? And what are some of the positive uh, takeaways that they took from this situation. So could you talk a little bit about that? For sure. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, the stimulus behind uh, my chapter actually came from just um, as I was in lockdown, sitting, you know, plowing through my Facebook um, one day, and I saw a friend's post on there where he basically invited his friends and contacts to talk about, uh, the lockdown situation and uh, um, what it, how it was affecting them, and particularly he was being very future orientated because he his post was posing questions such as what you're going to appreciate more in the future, what kind of things do you think are never going to be the same again, and what do you think will be some of the positive takeaways from this. So I followed this post um, for a, a few days and it got a, a really quite substantial. Uh, response from, from a, a lot of different people. Uh, but interestingly enough, there was an incredible amount of consistency 
uh, in the responses uh, that people gave, particularly, um, you know, around community and, you know, individual sort of uh, response uh, and stoicism. Um, and there was also a lot of optimism uh, and a number of common themes, which um, being a consultant, you know, I, I put them under the sort of headings of a pest analysis of political, economic, social, technological. But there was also a, a fifth element. Uh, so I've added an eye to a pest analysis. So so I, I can probably lay copyright to, to the pesty analysis because I've added individual to it because a lot, a lot of the feedback was of a personal nature. But if I touch on just one or two general observations from that post in each of those uh, five headings, and, and, and a lot of them do pertain uh, to business. But firstly, on a, from a political perspective, a lot of the people responding to this post, you know, made note or, or, or commented on the, on the need for greater transparency. You know, bearing in mind this was, you know, at the end of March, in the early days uh, of the pandemic. And of course, this is probably the first real global crisis um, that has happened in the age of, of, of the internet. You know, and, and one of the things we've, we've seen, you know, particularly this call for transparency, you know, is that covering up bad news in the age of the internet is almost like an exercise uh, in futility. You know, if you think about the, the very beginning of, of the crisis, the Chinese tried to cover up the extent and seriousness of the pandemic, much in the same way that the Soviets uh, initially tried to do when, when Chernobyl happened back in 1986. But of course, back then, you know, the world wasn't as interconnected uh, as it is today. And so therefore, you know, it, it does beg the question how much, um, you know, response time was actually lost in those, in those early days when, when, when it was being covered up. So moving on to the, the more economic um, impact, and again, you know, this is sort of like taken from a large number of responses where there was consistency. A, a lot of the comments expressed really deep concern for local businesses, and I've gone on record um, over the last two months in, in interviews and also in talks uh, about this book where, you know, I do genuinely feel that the, the biggest casualty uh, of all from COVID-19 will be the small business uh, economy, which I do think will take a long time uh, to recover. And it was noticeable that the, the number of posts uh, in this Facebook feed that were talking about the need to support um, local communities. And by that, they were talking about supporting local traders, you know, and I know through my work with Vendasta, we've been very active to try and help small businesses, you know, particularly those who had a very minimal or non-existent online presence to be able to trade online, to keep in touch with their customers uh, and so on and so forth. And one of the things that we have seen in terms of a noticeable shift as a consequence of the pandemic has been something like a six to tenfold increase uh, in e-commerce adoption, not just by consumers, um, but also by, uh, by small businesses uh, wanting to trade on online. So that leads into the sort of like the technology piece, and, and I suppose one of the most obvious aspects, uh, impacts technology-wise, has been the way that business has been able to shift from the office to remote working from home, 
you know, via virtual conferencing and video linking and things like Zoom and Hangout and, and Meet and Team have, have suddenly become new uh, additions to the business language. Uh, and I think, you know, interesting to, to, to pick up on people's comments about how they foresee this going forward. And I think a lot of people are quite anxious to get back uh, into the office environment. However, I do think many companies will also learn many lessons from uh, this pandemic in terms of being able to manage their costs uh, and flexible working, uh, reduce business travel, uh, and particularly in, in, in the case of getting back on an economic sound footing, I think some of them are going to have to you know, look at their cost models and therefore I think new ways of working is going to be a, a definite uh, output of this pandemic. And then on from, from social, I think we've seen all over the world this um, amazing um, response to key workers and our health sector workers here in the UK. You know, we've had these wonderful initiatives, you know, called, you know, called Clap for Carers, where at eight o'clock on a Thursday night, we all stand on our, on our doorsteps, banging saucepans and cheering and clapping um, for our key workers. Uh, and, and another amazing um, thing happened here in the UK, which I think has, has gone around the world, which has been the exploits of this uh, uh, 99-year-old World War II veteran, Captain Tom Moore, who in the run-up to his 100th birthday on the 30th of April, uh, decided that he was going to walk 100 laps of his garden to try and raise £1,000 for his local health service. And, of course, thanks to the impact uh, of social media you know, and modern-day networks, in less than a month, Captain Tom's campaign had not just generated the £1,000 that he was after, but he managed to generate £33 million. That's uh, over $40 million dollars. Um, and then the, in, in the process, he managed to get to number one uh, in the UK song charts uh, and, and also, uh, bless him, managed to end up with a knighthood from Her Majesty uh, the Queen. Yeah. And, then, um, and then finally, down to the individual level, I think one of the things we've, we've seen is, is how many people have suddenly discovered time that they previously didn't have. You know, I live just north of London in the commuter belt, you know, and it's amazing the number of comments in this Facebook post where people were saying they've now got three hours each day that they didn't previously have. They're no longer sitting on a train or a bus commuting to work. And, you know, if you accumulate that, people now have the best part of an extra day in their week. And the, and the things they're finding to do with that time, you know, in terms of, you know, life, revel, you know, it's now all about life work balance as opposed to, to work life. So we're seeing huge changes at a personal level and also at the business level. So that's a quick summary of my chapter. Yeah, and um, and Paul, when when I think about you know you you said um, you know technology, social, individual, um, and economic, those four things, the the four items, the shifts that you you've recognized, um, really encompass this new work at home. Okay, because yeah. it's it's different in social. You know, the individual has to worry about how they coordinate the family. You're using new technology, and it definitely has an economic impact. So do you think as we come out of this, um, 
you know, there's many opinions that, you know, the personal contact and is going to go back to the way it was, or we're all going to want to work from home from now. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Is this shift going to remain? Is a part of it going to remain? What's your thinking around that? Well, I'm, I'm a firm believer that when, you know, when the pendulum swings, it never stops in the middle. So, you know, I think we're going to swing back one way and then, uh, then the other. The key word for me is balance. And I think what a lot of people are saying and saying, uh, and certainly this, this, this post that I keep referring to uh, touched on it a lot, is that people are now starting to really look you know, at the balance in their life between their working life and their home life. And I think you know, one of the real positives to come out of the pandemic is that people have suddenly found themselves with quality time, time to spend with loved ones, time to spend with family, time to focus on an individual project, be that getting fit, writing a book, you know, trying to do something that you've never done before. And I, and I think more and more people um, are realizing that. And I think smart companies will be those who appreciate, you know, that their employees are now you know, needing to, to get more out of their lives than just what they take from their work, you know, and this whole need to reshift the balance between life and work as opposed to work and life. I think that's a really key thing. And and with this, you know, we were we didn't have any really social lives other than virtual for a few months. And then we see a lot of social activity, you know, um, um, a lot of protests recently. Do you think... This is a new phase of social awareness, or do you think it's that you know everybody was kind of bored during the lockdown and now there's something to do? I mean, do you you know? There's also more emphasis on the environment. What? How do you think this has affected well, our socialism? Yeah. Well, I think you've really touched on something here. I th- I think if anything, the pandemic has just accelerated uh, a movement, particularly the youth movement. You know, and I and I, th- I I can date it back to probably 2016. You know, in 2016, two things happened that pretty much most commentators and observers around the world said were not going to happen. One was Brexit, uh, and second was the election of, of Donald Trump. You know, and I think if you look at both of those events, both in the UK uh, and in the US, a large contributor in, in both of those was the very low number of youth, people, you know, young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, who voted uh, A, in the referendum and B, in, uh, in the U.S. election. And I think since then we've had this growing movement where, where the youth has, has kind of woken up and said, no, we're not going to let that happen again. And you've certainly seen it recently um, with the whole Black Lives Matter thing, you know, evolving, you know, quite large. I mean, in fact, even in my own town here, just north of London, there was a Black Lives Matter parade only last week and you know my wife commented that probably 90% of the people in the parade were white and under the age of 25 mm-hmm. you know so so i think we are seeing a huge shift where the young people of today are going to start you know having more of a voice and i think if anything you know what this will do is it will really accelerate the climate change debate Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I I believe it too. I think there's been a lot of gro- social awareness around this, and and it has it has engaged the younger group at this point. Yeah, yeah. and we're gonna um, we're, we're gonna have to take a short break, Paul. And um, when we come back for Paul and Rowett, I just I have questions for both of you. Um, a little bit more of what I read in your book. And for our listeners today, we are talking 
to that was Paul Plant, and he is a digital thought leader, change agent, and entrepreneur. He is a former Yale executive and has worked for the past 10 years as an independent consultant, advising blue chip client portfolios on corporate strategy, digital transition, and customer experience. And our guest in our first segment and come, upcoming is Rohit Talvor, and he's a global futurist, an author, award-winning speaker, strategic advisor, and entrepreneur, and he's focused on delivering future insights, provoking radical thinking, and enhancing the prospects for humanity. And we're talking about the latest book by Rohit, and that is Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future, and it's Fresh Off the Press came out June 1st. You can get it on Amazon. And it has a number of recognized contributing authors in the book. So please order the book on Amazon. It's very interesting. We're only touching a little bit of some of the topics that are in the book, but it's great reading. Now, if you want to reach Rohit, you can reach him on www.fastfuture.com. He's also on LinkedIn under Rohit Talver, Futurist Keynote speaker and i'll spell that it's r-o-h-i-t dash t-a-l-v-a-r and paul is under www radical consulting paul is also on facebook under paul.palant5 he's on twitter under radical paul and on linkedin under paul plant and I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. You can reach me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda Virtual, one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. You can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. We all hear about information security, identity, and privacy threats. The more technology becomes part of our lives, with more data created to provide insights about our lives, the more concerned we need to be. That's why it's important to tune in to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Host Rebecca Harold is an internationally recognized expert in these areas. Rebecca and her guests will let you know how to keep your business and personal data safe. Listen live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's time to future-proof your business. Join host Bonnie D. Graham for the Kinetic Enterprise, built to evolve. Presented by Deloitte, SAP solutions help you transform your business. And we'll start by going in-depth with topics and guests built around the four pillars of the Kinetic Enterprise. Clean, intelligent, inclusive, and responsive. 
Move in to the next level with the Kinetic Enterprise, presented by Deloitte, live every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And we are talking today with Rohit Talvea, and he's an author, global futurist, and award-winning speaker. And Paul Plant was a digital thought leader, change agent, and entrepreneur. And before the break, I told you how to get a hold of Rohit, and I spelled the name wrong. So it's R-O-H-I-T, and it's T-A-L-W-A-R. So um, please find him on LinkedIn and under Fast future. So Paul and Rod, um, before the before the break, we Paul was talking about engaging um, the younger engaging younger people. And in your book, uh, one of your authors, Lee Han Shup, talks about in your book, Rohit, how the US plays a pivotal role in the global economy and in international institutions. And he he kind he recognizes five critical economic policies that have to change. Okay. And maybe with the US as a leader. Um, could you just talk about that chapter a little bit and maybe uh, some insights into what he says? Sure. So Lee outlines four different scenarios for how the US might play out over the next five years based on the intersection of uh, the nature of the economic recovery and who gets elected as president. Uh, underlying that, the kind of uh, the, the real dynamics he sort of highlights are firstly, how government policy impacts the shape of the recovery. So whether it's a V, a U, a W, an L shape, or a, a Nike swoosh, really depends on the extent to which government gets involved and puts an emphasis on, if you like, the physical economy, not just propping up financial markets. The second is a feeling that uh, critical to the US's success is to rebuild its government institutions and to uh, create a renewed emphasis on government as a source of expertise and services, because there's a sense that maybe that's been diminished over time. 
Act. And for a vibrant US, you really need to have vibrant government agencies. The third is we've seen how healthcare issues have really caused major issues for the US in terms of the spread of the virus, the number of deaths, but also the scale of the lockdown with you know 40 million plus being added to the unemployment roll. And so his view is that really to get vibrant economic recovery, you need a vibrant national healthcare plan that makes sure that everyone has access, that everyone can be protected and people don't end up with bills that push them into bankruptcy. The next thing he talks about is we're already seeing uh, big changes with the rise in automation, the adoption of AI, eliminating jobs. That was already happening. In a sense, that's been accelerated. We need to get those workers into new jobs. So we don't need to get them off unemployment registers into taxpaying roles. And, and critical to that is both financial support while they retrain, but also retraining both in terms of the technical or job-related skills, but also the personal skills that help them move from job to job. So collaboration, problem solving, uh, and those kinds of things. And then the final one is around global re-engagement. The US has stepped back a little from a number of global institutions and trade agreements, and that his view is that critical to an effective recovery is to reintegrate into the global system, but to become more of a partner than a dominant leader in a lot of those institutions in the new order where you've got people, countries like China playing a more significant role. So those are sort of five parameters that he sees varying under each scenario. And, and, and the scenarios are fantastic. They really bring to life the different possibilities of a Biden or a Trump presidency mm. next time and, and, and the nature of the recovery. I do have to say it was a great chapter in that book. Um, I enjoyed reading it. And let me just ask a follow-up quick question, Roy, on AI, because that's one of the things he thinks. Do you think AI has now got a new chance for this? Um, you know, and if I look at if I look at things such as the tracking and tracing apps, you know, um, in Europe here we have all this data protection, but we've already seen in Germany so many people are taking place, um, you know, and are having a different kind of respect for AI. Do you think AI has a new chance now? Oh, AI was already on a kind of uh, accelerated path, and this pandemic has really just uh, given that a boost, uh, given it rocket fuel. So whether that's basic robotic process automation, you know, just automating the multiple tasks that humans do, we're seeing that take off. Some people are calling it hyper-automation, but it's going through the roof. Uh, the second fastest growing company at the in America at the moment is a company in, in that very space. And what we also see is that at the other end, the really smart AI, so-called artificial general intelligence, has got a massive boost. People trying to accelerate all of the different forms of AI with this desire to effectively do things faster, do things smarter, and to free people up. In many cases, they're being reassigned, but in some cases, they're going to be made redundant. I think we will see a lot of technological unemployment due to the adoption of AI. We'll see small firms making use of it far more in the coming years. We'll see government making massive use of it. And the real challenge now is to accept that it's happening, to learn about it, 
as much as we can. And there are great programs. There's one from the University of Helsinki called Elements of AI. It's six modules. It's free. It teaches you in English all the basics of AI, which I think everyone should look at. And I think governments really need to be making sure that people understand what AI is, understand how fast it's moving, understand the scale of the impact it can have, and then really put in place the retraining programs to help those who are displaced by AI learn into new jobs and, and learn into new opportunities. Yeah. Um, and, and with this AI, and, and Paul, I have a question for you, because one of the things that, you know, I've observed with with some, you know, this with AI and I'm talking, you know, using as reference, again, these tracing and tracking apps that just came out in Germany, um, you know, people are feeling safer. It's making them feeling safer. And we're, we're seeing that lockdowns are coming to an end. And in the book, it explores also, you know, what happens maybe if we feel too safe and what happens if we prematurely, de- you know, kind of declare victory on the pandemic and rush into normal again. Do you have any, you know, opinions on that, Paul? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do actually, and and interestingly enough, I mean, we, you know, we here in the UK, our our shops opened for the first time on uh, on Monday, and you would have thought the Christmas sales had started. I, you know, I've n- never seen so many people out on the street. It was visibly noticeable, just the noise. You know, I mean, we, we've been used to sitting in our back gardens with relative calm, listening to the birds. The traffic noise on Monday was, you know, back, you know, to, to louder than ever, you know, and looking at the scenes on TV of, the, of our shops packed out. I, I, I do fear um, that we will see another spike. And, and, and Rohit commented that, you know, even New Zealand that was, you know, quick to declare that it was virus-free has suddenly just got another couple of, mm. couple of examples very quickly. You know, and I think one of the lovely thing aspects about the book is that there are a number of chapters uh, uh, in the book where the author has taken a future view, you know, so i.e. they've written their story from a point uh, in the future. Jerry Edling has a chapter, the view from 2035, so 15 years ahead of now. Sylvia Galusa um, has a brilliant chapter, uh, which is to a, a history class uh, uh, to a bunch of students who have, have been born um, dear, or conceived um, during this uh, pandemic. So his, the history class of 2037, which is a fascinating chapter. And, and Nell Watson, um, her chapter goes as far out as 2083. Um, and, uh, and there's another fantastic chapter by uh, a chap called Joe Tankersley, uh, which I personally found quite profound uh, and very scary, you know, uh, and, and his his chapter very much um, addresses, you know, the, the, the consequences um, of, of going back too quickly and, and the pandemic coming back, you know, um, harder and more serious um, than we've had it already. So, yes, I do fear um, that we will see further spikes. And I'm, and I'm sure this, you know, as, as many other authors uh, in the book of done have taken an approach that this pandemic is probably just a dress rehearsal for the next one. Yeah, and, and there are, as you said, I've read the book, fantastic insights. And Rohit, what would be one of your um, favorite insights or, or, or most impactful insights that come from the book? 
ones. One, uh, Bruce Lloyd talks about the fact that we, we always talk about people being in positions of power and that we need to transition that to thinking about them being in positions of responsibility and maybe they would change their behavior. And the second is uh, in David Wood's chapter, he talks about the last financial crisis and uh, the Queen asking a group of economic advisors how it had happened. And their analysis was that we were so obsessed with the feel-good factor, we were so narrowly focused on what was going right at the time and so reluctant to imagine something different that we didn't put in place the protections for the kinds of shocks that came with the financial crisis. Exactly the same has happened this time around. And so really the, the one of the overriding messages, I think, of the book is that preparedness is the new mantra. Governments, businesses and individuals need to be far better prepared for the future. We need to be scanning the horizon, doing scenario planning, doing risk assessment, doing our contingency plans, and not just hoping for the best scenario, but actually thinking about what might we do in the worst case scenario where we have a prolonged pandemic and a prolonged economic downturn. What would we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, good. A lot of things to think about, and we're getting towards the end of the, the broadcast. We could go on forever. This is really interesting stuff. So, Paul, one last word to our listeners. What would message would you like to give them? Uh, I think uh, just a couple of things. One, this pandemic has shown that people are incredibly resilient. You know, and when and when the chips are down, we can come together. Good old Dunkirk spirit, as we like to call it, here in the UK. But I think there is an overwhelming, you know, voice now starting to appear that we want our leaders, uh, as Rohit has just said, to behave responsibly and work together. You know, this is not the time for divisiveness, you know, and 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 chest thumping. This is a time for you know, working together and working our way out of this the best way we can, and that means collaboration and leadership. Mm-hmm. Great. And Rohit, for that, thank you, Paul, insightful. Thank you for the message. And Rohit, for our listeners, what would your final message be? Well, building on Paul's point, this is a global crisis. It travels around the world on seat 43 as a sea of an airplane. Until we crack it globally, we don't crack it anywhere. And so we need those globally coordinated responses. Uh, That means giving people access to health, to to services, to education everywhere in the world. And that the critical thing for individuals in particular is to make sure we're making that investment in our own lifelong learning so that we're equipped for whatever scenario might play out. Good. Great closing words. And for our listeners, um, we've been talking about the book, Aftershocks and Opportunities, Scenarios for a Post-Pandemic Future. Um, it's fresh off the press. Uh, June 1st, it came out. It is available on Amazon. And I would like to thank Rohit and Paul very much for taking the time to, to share these insights with us. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And for our listeners, one more time, if you'd like to get in touch with the gentleman, 
Rahit Talver is a global futurist, award-winning speaker, strategic advisor, and entrepreneur focused on delivering future insights, provoking radical thinking, and enhancing the prospects for humanity. He works with global companies, governments, entrepreneurs, and investors. You can reach Rohit on his website, www.fastfuture.com, and he's also on LinkedIn under Rohit Talva, futurist keynote speaker, and I will spell that. It's R-O-H-I-T-T-A-L-W-A-R. So please look up Rohit. And Paul Plant is a highly experienced strategic marketeer, digital thought leader, change engine, and and entrepreneur with a record of transferring and growing companies as well as launching ventures of his own. And if you'd like to reach out to Paul, you can reach out to Paul on www.radicalconsulting. He's also on Facebook under paul.plant5, on Twitter under Radical Paul, and on LinkedIn under Paul Plant. And if you have questions, you can call write me at Kimberly Lewis, Leadership Beyond Borders at gmail.com. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda Virtual. Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search association. You can find out more about Cinda by going to www.cinda.org. Please tune in to us each Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you happen to miss a show, then you can always find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and many other podcast platforms. And with that, thank you for listening this week and thank my guest. And please tune in to us again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.